Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. What's up, Ocean Hills? So good to be together. Uh, you see Casey and the band on the, on the screen, your computer screens every week. You see me. Who you don't see every week, the unsung heroes I just want us to, to say thanks to. This guy right here behind the camera, Mark Stockoff. Mark has not missed a, a week of filming in the last year. He has been so faithful, sacrificial. And then Michael Donahue in the back, same thing, doing all the sound for us week after week after week after week. And we are so, so grateful for both of those guys. Thanks, you guys, for your faithfulness. Um, how was your week? How many of you fasted from technology a little bit? Was I the only one? Did a few of you jump into that from social media, from the news, from looking at your Schwab account? Dude, I had so much peace in my heart this week. I'm like, I'm going to keep doing it. It's making a huge difference in, in the freedom that I feel. And just, a, I, I did take a peek this morning at my Schwab account. It's the same as it was a week ago. Like, why, why am I stressed about it, man? Just... Leave it up to the Lord. And those of you that don't have any investments, just leave it up to the Lord too, man. All right, here we go. We are in this series called Detox. Detox is a period of time that we set aside to rid the body, and in this case, to rid our spirit, uh, to abstain from anything that's unhealthy in our lives. And so that's why over, over the last few weeks and the next few weeks, we're looking at spiritual issues in our lives that we need to, in a sense, get a cleanse from. Because subtly, they poison our spirit. They poison our attitude. They poison our relationships. And so it's really healthy to kind of push pause and examine ourselves, to look at God's Word like a mirror, and as we see maybe where we're falling short, where we're being poisoned, we make commitments, we make decisions, we make an offering of who we are and allow the grace of God as we create space for God, we allow the grace of God to do that work in us that we can't do on our own. So DJ read the scripture today. I love... Uh, how Jesus takes the mystery out of it, the first line of this passage. If you have your Bible with you, turn it to Luke 18. But he tells us his purpose in telling this story. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. So we have right there what the purpose of the story Jesus is about to tell he has a target audience. It's those that are feeling kind of full of themselves and looking down on other people. And so as I read and reread and reread, which by the way, that's one of the great ways of studying scripture. It's to read it and reread it and reread it and you simmer in it like you're cooking or you marinate in it. 
And then what happens is, is the scripture begins to read you if you stay in it and you stay with it and you begin to see yourself in the passage. You begin to see yourself in the text and you begin to see God more clearly uh, in the passage. And so the way I frame this talk, uh, this talk today is there's three issues, three areas that, that are right in this story that Jesus told. Three areas that we need to detox from. And uh, so you remember it, it's, it, it's a C, a P, and an R, CPR. You need, you need some CPR in your life spiritually, and so do I. Three words. The first one is comparison. Now you saw, or if you were listening to the scripture, there's two guys, Jesus tells the story, two guys, two prayers, and two different outcomes or consequences, right? The Pharisee is the highly educated leader in Israel. Those of, many of you are familiar, but they were so, I don't know, might say scrupulous or detailed about following the rules, following the law, paying attention to all the little details and behaviors uh, and the traditions of religion. And then of course the tax collector uh, to paraphrase, some say they were just considered the scum of the earth, right? They worked for the Roman government. They overcharged the Roman government taxes already. And then the tax collectors came along and added. And they were, they were taking money from their own people because the tax collectors were Jewish, but working for the Roman government. And so their own people were like, that guy, that tax collector... He's nine miles of bad road. You do not want to be around that guy. That, that guy's a bad dude. He's the scum of the earth. So Jesus highlights these two people. So there's an obvious distinction. Of course, most people hearing the story would think, well, the Pharisee is amazing and the tax collector is the scum of the earth. But as Jesus so often does, there's a surprise in the story, right? He kind of flips it upside down and you're left kind of scratching your head like, Maybe I don't get Jesus. Maybe I don't really understand this Christian life, this faith journey that I'm on after I read a story like this. And so let's look at these three toxic areas that just kind of subtly creep into our lives, creep into my life. And I'm going to just be so bold as to say, creep into your life as well. The first is comparison. Look at verse 11. The Pharisee prays, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. And then he lists a few words, greedy, dishonest, unfaithful. He calls them in the NLT, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. And he compares himself with this tax collector and like that guy. I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. Let me just ask you, how often do you compare yourself, your house, your job, your girlfriend, your husband, your career, your spirituality, your prayer life, your church attendance. How often do you, do I compare ourselves? It's kind of a two-sided evil in a way, because we either are going to become conceited when we compare, or we're going to feel really inadequate, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes this, for the grace of by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
Raise your hand if you think of yourself more highly than you ought. Nobody's going to raise their hand. I know that. Nobody, right? You're not going to do that. But why would the Bible have this in there? Like, who's he speaking to? Right? I wonder if we have blind spots. We are blinded to our own sense of comparing and here's the flip side. So we either grow conceited. I, I'm, be, I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm more fit than you. My wife's hotter than yours. Whatever it is, right? But then there's the flip side. And it's that insecure place when we compare. I read a quote from a 30-year-old woman this week. She writes this, On an intellectual level, I knew, thing, I knew there were things that were great about me, but emotionally I just couldn't get there. By comparison, there's the word, everything in my life seemed less than. I wasn't as pretty or as fun. I wasn't as fearless or as talented. I didn't have as many friends I wasn't as appealing to the opposite sex. My confidence was taking a beating and I felt truly worthless. And so there you have the opposite side, right? It's either thinking too much of myself or gosh, in comparison to you, I feel insecure, inadequate, worthless, in this woman's words. Andy Stanley's a pastor in Atlanta, big church. He's a, uh, written a lot of books. I love what he says about comparison. He says, comparison causes people to have to live in the land of Ur, E-R, Ur. I'll be fine as long as I'm thin-er, rich-er, happy-er, bad-er, smart-er, pretty-er. So let me ask you a question. How, how do you, if you're honest enough to say, yeah, that's me. I compare. I'm guilty. How do you battle? How do you battle this? How do you stop comparing yourself to others? You know, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think the first is maybe just to acknowledge it, to reflect where in my life, where in my life am I comparing? Am I looking at, am I John Ireland? Do I look at other churches that are bigger and feel inadequate? Do I look at other churches that are smaller and go, I'm the man? Do I look at, where, where do I compare? Where do you compare? First, you gotta, you gotta stop and reflect and, 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 and identify, is it on social media? Is it with uh, your roommates and grades, careers, where you're going to college or not? So you have to start there. I think, uh, I think you got to talk about it. That's why we have detox partners during this series. Are you, are you open to, to let somebody else in and say, this is actually an issue for me. This is sabotaging my relationship with Christ. This is poisoning my attitude and my spirit and be able to let somebody else in on that. I just read a, a definition uh, last night. I'm reading this book called Sacred Fire, and he said, he said, sobriety isn't about drugs and alcohol. Sobriety is about honesty and transparency. Isn't that interesting? 
So part of how we get healthy is letting others in by being honest and transparent about where we're comparing and struggling. Uh, Galatians 6.4 says this, Do your own work well, but don't compare yourself to others. What's he saying, Paul? In a way, stay in your lane. Stay in focus. If you're running a race, don't be looking at the other con- Just stay focused. Keep your eyes fixed, right, on Christ. Forget about other people. Don't compare. That's, you have to, it, it all is right up here, right? This, the Christian life is all up here in our minds and how we think. I'm going to get to the second word. So the, the, first, the first kind of toxic area is comparing, comparison. The second, when you look at the story, it's pride. It starts out with, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. The, the actual word that's used there, it means arrogance. And notice the Pharisee's prayer. It's really interesting. He says, I want to, I want to tell God how perfect and awesome he is. Is that what he does? No, no, no. He doesn't tell God how perfect and awesome he is. He tells God how perfect and awesome I am. That's the shift in the prayer. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Listen to his language. Five times in just that one or two verses, he uses the word I. I, I, I'm honest, I'm moral, I'm faithful, I'm generous, I'm disciplined, I'm awesome, I'm perfect. I mean, in a way, that's what he's saying. He looks down on and thinks he's better than the tax collector. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you think you're arrogant. No one's going to do that either in a crowd this size. Which is what makes this passage so interesting to me. Most of us in church would not identify with the character of saying, well, wait, I'm, I'm doing the right things, but I'm not arrogant. I'm not prideful. I don't think I'm better than. But it's interesting how subtle it is. How do, I asked this question. I put it in my notes. How do we become arrogant? People become arrogant when they're like the older brother in the prodigal son. They're the rule follower. I'm doing everything right compared to you. Compared to them, I'm... Right? I think money makes us arrogant. We start thinking it's about us. Look at, look at, look at my net worth. I'm the man. Look what I've done. I start taking credit for the relationships, the networking, the deals I've done, and I start believing... It, it, Right? And you can answer that question for yourself. It might be your career success. It may be, I know uh, in this culture, if you get attention from the opposite sex, you start going, yeah. Right? You start thinking, I'm better than other people. Sports in our culture, if you're an athlete, that can, that can just do something to your soul. If you're really good, others like you. They want you on their team. They want to be around you. I mean, you can list for yourself. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story. I was debating whether to tell you this story, but I'm just going to tell you. It's kind of a family joke uh, in my family. My daughter, Shannon, uh, every year 
I don't know, six months to a year, she sends me a copy of the, I was on a radio talk show several years ago and my daughter and my wife, they like to mock me because of this show. I was on this show and I'm going to read for you um, the intro, how they introduced John Ireland. And then you get to pretend you live with me. You're my wife and my daughter. Listen to this. My guest today is Dr. John Ireland. He's an expert in love. <laughs> I love, I'm an expert in love. He's an officiant, a wedding officiant to the stars. And then she says this, you just have to, have to, have to meet this man. I keep telling my wife and daughter that. You just have to, have to. <laughs> and then, I, this, this is a direct quote. He's the most amazing, enlightening, wise person I have ever met. He is so special, so magical, so extraordinary, so enchanting, and so enlightening. And, and he drinks an Americano, which makes him so real. <laughs> so, what if I actually believed that BS? Right? It's like so over the top. And I think what happens subtly to us around pride is we start to believe that crap, that we're actually better than everybody else. I have a friend who, we went to a Raider game together several years ago, and he made this comment about Raider fans. I'm a Raider fan, by the way. He made this comment about Raider fans. He goes, their vote counts the same as mine. <laughs> now just think about that comment. I'm better than these people. My vote should count more because I'm successful. I'm wealthy. I'm handsome. I'm whatever, right? And so this idea of pride, it's ugly, it's toxic, it's foul smelling. Proverbs 16.5 says this, God cannot stomach arrogance or pretense. Believe me, he'll put those braggarts in their place. Ooh, underline that in your Bible. Proverbs 16.5, God cannot stomach. It makes him sick to his stomach when his people are arrogant and full of ourselves and prideful, and I'm right, and you're wrong. Isaiah 66, 2 says, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit. Those who are humble and contrite. Contrite is brokenness. It's humility in our spirit. And so... I'm going to ask you a question. How, the Bible says we have to be humble. We have to choose humility. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if you want the, the, the wind of God at your back rather than in your face, 
we have to choose a life of humility. So maybe just really practically right here in this moment, how do you become more humble? I'm going to just suggest a few things I wrote in my notes that, that, that helped me. One is just to confess my sin every day. I read Psalm 51 every week. That's one of your detox assignments this week is to rewrite Psalm 51 in your own words. But I read that regularly. Here's another one that I find that a lot of people don't want to do. Ask for feedback. That will keep you humble. From your work, your teammates at work, from your family, your wife, your husband, your kids. Ask for feedback on how you're doing. Most of us are like, dude, I'm not doing that because I know what they might say. Exactly. So let's keep growing and becoming the men and women that Jesus wants us to become by asking for feedback. Here's another one. How about ask for help? Where you're actually admitting, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? That requires humility. How about giving away credit to your teammate or your spouse or your roommates rather than taking the credit? That requires humility. It's a choice. Another one is, is about having a grateful heart, being thankful, but not like the Pharisee saying, I thank you that I'm not like him. It's saying, I thank you, God, for the blessings in my life. I thank you for, for the success in my life. It's not about me. It's about you providing the relationships, the timing, the deals, whatever, the job, the career. And here's the last one that helps me. Surround yourself with friends who are not infatuated with you. Can I get an amen, Russ Michelson? Russ keeps me humble. There's a bunch of others here too. But you know, don't surround yourself with people that are infatuated with you, but that love you enough to also tell you the truth. And now here's the third part or toxic poison that we need to uh, get a cleanse from in this story. It's the third word, it's religion. Now, some of you are like, what? Yeah, religion. In a sense, what he's saying in verse 12, I do this, I do that. He's saying, look what I do. And religion is really a, a lot about doing. I mean, this guy, did you hear his language? He says in verse, uh, let me find it here, verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. I'm sitting here reading that going, man, I want more Ocean Hills people to be that way, Jesus. How would, you're going to condemn this guy? But as you listen to his language, he sounds like a Navy SEAL Christian, doesn't he? I mean, this guy is on fire. He has spiritual rhythms in his life. He fasts. He's a giver. He's generous. He doesn't uh, cheat on his wife or commit adultery. I mean, you kind of go, what's the problem? Why is Jesus so hard on this guy? And so what lies at the root of religion, Jesus said it in Matthew 15, 8. He said these people, talking about the religious leaders, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it's about, I'm doing maybe the right things, but with the wrong motives. I'm checking the box. I'm doing my duty. And again, it's like the older brother in Luke 15 in the prodigal son story. The Pharisee here is doing the right things, but for the wrong 
reasons. I wrote a few things in my notes. Religion sets up rules to follow so that we feel worthy. But the Bible says we're made worthy by God's grace and Christ's sacrifice on a cross. Religion uses fear and punishment to motivate change. Jesus uses grace and unconditional love. Religion grades righteousness on a curve instead of on a cross. Religion is morality-based. Jesus said salvation is mercy-based. Religion is exhausting. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are burned out on religion, and I will show you how to live. I'm going to tell you another story. I don't know why I let you guys laugh at me, but I don't know. I'll just, I will. I had a, I, I was very religious this week. I was fasting from technology, fasting from social media, fasting from the evening news. I was getting up, not looking at my screen before I read my Bible, connected with the Lord in prayer, journaled in my journal, and on Thursday morning of this week, I have a men's group that I meet with. And my, this was my week to buy the coffee. We rotate it. And so I go over to the Daily Grind. And I have my mask on. And I'm in line. And there's a woman in front of me, probably in her 70s. And then there's a woman at the counter. And the woman at the counter is undecided about her order. Have you ever stood in line with a person who's now at the counter? They're not in line, they're at the counter and they can't make a decision. So tell me about your most popular coffee here and tell me more about these pastries. Which ones are, do you have gluten-free? And what about, and I'm, that quiet time seemed like it was 10 years ago. Uh, that prayer time seemed like, man, I was so close to the Lord about 45 minutes earlier. But in this moment, I'm like, this woman is driving me nuts right now. I'm so impatient. And so she finally makes her order, orders a whole bunch of stuff. And she pulls out a $100 bill to pay. And the woman behind the counter, the barista, goes, oh, sorry, we... Don't take $100 bills here. We can't do it. So the woman turns around and looks at those of us in line. Hey, can anybody break 100 Now, my thought bubble, I'm not going to confess to you what it was in that moment. But it was like, I kept my mouth shut. The woman in front of me said, sorry, I don't have change for 100 the woman behind the counter said, hey, you know, there's a gas station down the street. I think they'll probably be able to do that for you. Of course, at that moment, I'm thinking, how about you just move off to the side, figure out your change problem and let the... Is anybody else would be thinking what I'm thinking? Okay. But instead, here's what happens. Never, ever crosses my mind. The 70-something-year-old woman right in front of me says, I'll tell you what, let me just pay for it. Forget getting change. Here, let me just pay. Let me, oh, no, I can't have She goes, yeah, you can. Let me, let me just do it. Let me just treat you today. Let me just have you take care of it. And this little 70-something-year-old lady just, you know, 
says, I got you. No, no, she wasn't making a big deal about it. I just it was like, we're good. And I have to tell you, we often use the language of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I had to go to my men's group and confess my sin of arrogance, comparison. I'm glad I'm not like her. Right. All of these things. And and I tell you that story because I think one of the great discipleship questions we want you to be asking with your close friends is how is God speaking to you? And what are you going to do about it? How is God speaking to you and what are you going to do about it? And in that moment, I could say God was showing me how cheap and greedy and judgy and critical my spirit is in those moments. And I want to be warm and gentle and generous and gracious. And I shared the story and, and with a friend and they said, what if Jesus people were known to be like that 70 something year old woman in that moment? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't this world be a better place? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? And so I leave you with that story. Let me close this by saying the X factor in all of this is Jesus condemns the religious guy who's exalting himself and comparing himself and looking down on others and saying, look at me, I'm a Navy SEAL Christian. I get up at 4 a.m. and have my quiet time. But he has no love in his life. He has no love. And Jesus condemns that. So the X factor for us today is we have to choose to humble ourselves. It's a choice, not a feeling. And we need to choose to help others. That's a choice and not a feeling. And we need to choose to confess and own when we don't measure up. Rather than get defensive or blame or rationalize, just say, like the tax collector, get on our knees and say, Lord, I'm unworthy. And say that Jesus prayer, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. And that's one of your detox assignments is to get on your knees seven. I want you to pray that prayer seven times every day this week. You get up in the morning and meet with the Lord if that's when you do it. I want you to get on your knees this week. And just the, the whisper prayer is, have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. And just whisper that and repeat that seven times. I'm going to invite the band to come up. We're going to uh, transition now into communion because you each hopefully got our, our little containers. If you did not get one, they're at the back and you can still get them. There's a little wafer that's sealed on the top. And then there's the grape juice inside. You know, I use the word humble and helpful. We need to become humble and helpful. You know, Jesus... When you think about the cross, it required humility. Philippians 2 talks about that. He humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. And why did he do it? To help us experience closeness with God, to get reconciled with God. Jesus was both humble and helpful. Oh, if the people of God, oh, if the pastor of the flock could become more humble and more helpful. That is my prayer. I'm going to invite you where you're seated, if you're willing, to get on your knees right now. Just as an act of humility and contrition. 
And I'm going to give you just a few moments just between you and God on your knees to do business with God. Examine your heart. Pick one of these three that you're saying, Lord, that, that's me. That's where I have kind of a toxic spirit. It's comparison or it's pride or I'm more religious than Jesus. You know, like I'm so full of religion and rules and I'm a rule follower, but I don't have a relationship with you. I feel far from you, God. So just take a moment, bow your heads and uh, I'm gonna just give you a moment of silence as we have a little just background. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.